fly before the storm You didn't like it anyway You didn't like the soul that you'd become You kissed her hand, she walked away You don't want to be there Anyways, it all that up, it's all the same to me She'll always be your number one memory I cast aside, only you can see You're never gonna be the same as before When you were so familiar Music, reviews, chat, poems, comedy, writing, interviews, ELFM, it's radio for so much more. Hello and welcome to East Leeds FM. I'm sorry about how the lateness, we just had the power outage. Anyway, here we are at Chapel FM, and today we will be talking about the drummer bees. Mining! <laughs> and now I pass the mic on to Frankie. Welcome to the show. It is called A Blast to the Past, a mining adventure i'm here with the lovely emily and the fantastic Aheen. i'm the wonderful frankie it is going to be about mine minings and working history this is going to be an educating show so enjoy thank you when we first started learning about mining on tuesday we knew absolutely nothing about mining or its history and if i'm being honest we thought it was going to be really boring mm, definitely yes yeah but after we started researching about it, it was actually very interesting. Mm. Yes, definitely. And for this show, we will be telling you all about mining through music, poetry, soundscape, and so much more. So enjoy! The, sound, the sounds are called Evolving and Marching with a voiceover from Josh. The sounds of protest end of mine into a green future. Mm-hmm. And we've also got thrilling dynamics and exciting debates between us. Whose side will you take? And if you want to find out, out then just first call, contact this number and the British WhatsApp number. And if also works if you have any questions. Zero double seven four nine. Six nine seven eight nine five. That's zero double seven four nine six nine seven eight nine five. And you can also find our number on the Apple FM website. We are going to listen to some education, nature, protest, and sounds and drama, earth and dramatic stories. Drill. 
Pickaxe. 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 Shovel. Let's have a rest. And that was a soundscape by me, Josh. And we are now going to go to a debate in the 1800s. <coughs> uh, Henry, where on earth is my album today, probably? These people. And where, why am I even here? We're here to discuss the impacts of mining. Firstly, the issue of mining... What? There's issues with mining? Is mining the best since the creation of mine? And... Wait, did I tell that my husband is very, very rich? Well, as a miner, the conditions aren't great. We're doing so much for little sympathy. <coughs> well, that ain't no flipping Windsor Castle, darling, is it? Do you think he's going to be polar bear for her cups of tea down there? Well, it's not. <coughs> However, these aren't safe jobs. They're dangerous. For example, people are losing arms and we don't even get sick pay. Listen, you bog trotter. If you weasels want those tiny little brains of yours, there won't be as many accidents. Maybe my hubby should stop giving you free houses and jobs. But by giving free houses, you're putting people in debt, meaning they don't get enough money. How dare you interrupt me? Well, it's not my fault you little delinquents spent your money on beer and wire. At least you have jobs. And you get money as well. Thank you for listening to that debate. Now we are going up to Studio 3 for the band to be playing 16 tons. Some people say a man is made out of mud. All man's made out of muscle and blood. Muscle and blood and skin and bones. A man that's weak and a back that's strong. You low 16 tons. What do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. Send Peter, don't you call me, cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the sunny star. I want more money when the sun don't shine. I picked up my shovel and I walked to the mine. I loaded 16 tons of number nine coat. And the strap I sit well, I bless my soul. You low 16 tons. What do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. San Peter, don't you call me, cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company star. I want bomb, want money when it's drizzling rain. Biting in trouble on my middle name. I was raised in the king, big fight all my life. Can a high tone woman make me walk the line? You low 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. San Peter, don't you call me, cause Company star, if you see me coming, better step aside. A lot of men didn't, and a lot of men died. One fist of iron, the other of steel. If the right one don't you get you, the left one will. You loan 16. 
and we now return to the 1800s. Let me tell you three things about mining. First off, it's global. Everybody can access it. Second of all, like I said, it's easy to access. And third of all, it's cheap and reliable. I honestly don't know what Although mean? it's bad for the environment, it pollutes and adds smoke to the atmosphere. Environment smilement? Who cares anyway, as long as it puts money into my pockets? But what about the environment? But what about the poor animals with no habitat? But, 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 oh, that's it! I'm calling my husband! And we now return. We went to a cover mining museum. Houses for us had to walk down the mine. This is an interview with the man who walked after the museum house. What do you know about these ponies and why were they necessarily used instead of horses? These ponies here are actually, actually it's working mining ponies. They're just here to actually represent the size and type of what they used to use. Unfortunately, it's just 11 years ago this time since we lost his last working pony. So what we said is rather than leaving the stables empty, we'll give something a home that needs a home. So that's why we've got these here now. So that's why they're all different sizes. Obviously, Finn's a lot, lot bigger than the others. So we would have been what we'd have called a surface horse. So we would have actually worked up on the top, moving all the props and materials around and doing all the deliveries. Eric and Ernie are obviously a lot, lot smaller. And there's what we'd have classed as deep mine ponies which was started mainly being used after 1842 when Parliament brought an act in where women and children could no longer underground. So they replaced what women and children did. So what I mean by as a deep mine pony, they actually went down the shaft and they lived in stables all the gra- underground all the time. Bud's a little bit bigger. He's about 13 too. And that's what they call measurements in ponies, his hands. So he's about 13 hands and two inches. And he was more likely to have worked in a drift mine where the drift mines were a little bit bigger and rather than actually going down the shaft to get into the mine, they were dug out of a hillside, so the ponies could actually walk in with the miners, bring out what they were mining, but lived on stables on the surface. So that's why we've got the three different sizes. So why was it ponies, not horses? Well, because of the mainly because we've got the horses were mainly used up on the surface, but because of the seams of coal were maybe only 18 inches, maybe just over two foot. The roadways went over big underground. So obviously the smaller ponies would fit in there a lot better. That's why we use the small ones. Uh, yeah. I have a question about ponies. We just saw um, Eric there doing something that was quite surprising. Can you explain? He was licking a block of salt. Can you explain why he was licking some yeah, salt? Basically that is a salt, it's a salt and mineral lick, and that's their way of actually replenishing it. With it of course, it would have been hot today. I mean, we, uh, we sort of feed ourselves to actually replace it. That's their way of replacing theirs. Where if they were out in the fields, what they'd do is they'd pour away at the grass and they'd actually lick at the soil to get the salts and minerals from out of the soil. So that's our way of, rather than actually putting a supplement in the feed where they've got to eat it, they've got a way of knowing when they need it so it's there at hand when they want it. That's why we've got them there. And I have yeah. a question about the ponies themselves. So you say that these ponies were chosen because they were effective underground in the small tunnels in the yeah. mine. So is this, this kind of pony a variety that was human-created adapted to the mine or just chosen it was just basically what these are what we call these are what we call native breeds so like we've got like down in wales you've got your welsh mountain ponies you've got your dartmoor ponies because they were actually a very hardy breed and most of them weren't very big but they were very strong so that's mainly what we used to use but after the first world war because of the uh, demand of horses and ponies was so high they were actually having to bring ponies over for the mining industry from Canada, Russia, America and other different countries. And basically it was anything that was the right size that was underground that was bought. So there wasn't a particular breed after that. But we say we did use, in this country, mainly our native breed. Welcome 
back. It's Max and Henry here to bring you facts about the mines we visited on Wednesday. Yes, so we visited the National Coal Mining Museum and we took a trip un underground in the mines and when we were going down in the lift we found that it was quite wobbly and not didn't feel stable but we were reassured that it was very stable and uh, our guide Ian told us that the lift moves uh, down 140 metres in 2 minutes 20 seconds and it goes up 140 metres in 2 minutes 40 seconds but he said that usually the miners would be moving uh, five times as fast in the lift which would be 44 seconds to go down and 48 seconds to go up. Wow that's a lot anyway when we first got down the mine into the mine we came across some doors it was an airlock the reason there was an airlock is because if the air from in the mines mixed with the air in the shaft some mechanical fail might fail mechanics might fail um and anyway when we got in there we, we took a left and came across some offices yeah and uh in these offices are ian who's our tour guide i think i've already mentioned that but he showed us about the equipment that they use, like their helmets and how they brought a acid battery that had a lamp on, which would be like one in a car. Yes, anyway, after we learned about that, he told us about back in the 18, 1900s age, the people weren't paid by hours. They were paid by the amount of coal they produced. And just imagine that. Imagine you're not finding any coal and your family go hungry. Yeah, and he told us how the families would mine together and you would have the father who would go into a hole and with his pickaxe and mine out the coal and place it on a slab for the wo woman or the mother to pull along and she was known as the hurrier. She had to hurry and get the coal to the shaft or the lift. And then you had the child who would wait outside with and with the door and he had rope attached to his wrist and he would pull the door open and shut for the hurrier so and this was done to keep the fresh air out of the tunnel hole so that they weren't taking up all the air anyway after that we learned about the animals they used well we already knew they used canaries to detect the gas but we didn't use though they used ponies and donkeys in some cases Imagine a pony in a four-foot shaft. That is not enough room for it to stand up tall. Yeah, it will, I couldn't imagine the pony standing up in there. And we learnt about conveyor belts and how they would carry the coal to the shaft and back when, when mining progressed. But we also learnt that the miners used to lie down on the coal conveyors and use them to get to their place of mining or work. Bear in mind, the conveyor belts weren't fast because they had to put the coal on and they didn't want one piece of coal then a minute later another. So they weren't quite slow and it could have been an hour or two before you got to your location and an hour or two back. Anyway, moving on to the drilling and dynamite they used. There was a shed in the middle of nowhere packed to the brim of explosives. 
normally there'll be a crew on the morning shift they would go to the shed get six cases of dynamite they would take it down to the mine and then the drillers will drill holes where it's marks in the wall and then they'll plant the dynamite and the detonators and then one of the men would go a hundred yards one direction to as a sentry to stop anyone from coming so there wouldn't be in, in any injuries and the others went a hundred yards in the other direction where the warden would say fire and then everyone would get down as small as possible open their mouths cover their ears and then there would be a loud explosion it people a thousand yards away wouldn't hear it maybe they wouldn't even feel it but roughly two to five minutes later there would be a ton of dust rolling past them yeah and the injuries they could have sustained from that are terrible black lung was one of them covered by all the crushing in case the machine fell or even the planks some may have been even buried or hyped if they weren't secured properly anyway let's move on from that tragic info <laughs> yeah so moving on to something that is also sort of tragic oh no um we have so they were they were, when they went into different rooms in the mines and they would drill they would only allow up to nine miners in there because if um there was a cave-in or a collapse then if nine people or less died then they would call it an act of god but if 10 or more of them died it's a disaster thank you for that info anyway our time's up and now we're going to be signing off thank you for listening and we are now going to go up back to studio three where abril is going to perform her poem Hi, my name is Abriel, and I wrote this poem while I was in the coal mine, um, and it's called Everything So Still. My name is Nick, and my passion is folk music. Mining down low, the process is so slow. It's just not cutting it. My dream is making a hit. When a miner leads a healthy life and keeps fit, he's a better workman, they say. But I don't care about that anyway. Something is doomed to happen soon. Mining just isn't in tune. We were working on a seam about a yard high. It was so silent, you could hear a fly. There was a sudden surge of wind, everything so still. And now on to back to Studio Two, where Rana and Shannon are going to introduce an interview. Um, John, a former ex-miner, and... Um and um, he he's going to tell us about how it was, how his experience was when he was working in the mines. Some pits, they were very wet. Some pits were dry. Some of the Welsh pits, which were wet, didn't need stone dust to stop the prevention of explosions. Most pits in Yorkshire and northern England did need stone dust, even though there were wet pits. But one of the wettest pits in Yorkshire... They paid the miners who worked on one side of the pit a shilling a day more because if the water broke into the shaft, they could flood the east side of the pit and get the men out of the west side and they'd lose the men on the east side and they were paid a shilling a day more. But that's a long time ago. That was Thorn Colliery. I personally worked at several deep pits in Yorkshire where we pumped the water out. One pit I worked at, you could actually fill your bottle up underground and drink the water because it was that clean and fresh. So when you see people saying about the pollution of the water 
like here when they pump it out, it's full of iron parietes and that, and giving it the ochre colour. Some pit, it's clean water, drinkable clean water. So it's, uh, Can you tell us about that ochre that we saw, those big pools full yeah. of orange? That, the ochre colour comes from iron parietes, predominantly iron parietes, or fool's gold. Now some seams and some strata contains quite a lot of it. As water passes through it, it picks up, and it picks up the ochre colour, and it's pumped out of the pit. And it, uh, here, we go through settling tanks and that. Pits like Wath, they just pumped it straight into the local River Dern, and they were pumping more gallons a day than tons of coal they were mining a year. That was at Wath Pit. I can only speak about pits I know about. So, I imagine it was very deadly working in the coal mine no no they're quite safe so i started in 1962 pits were relatively safe then yeah we always had accident i mean they said that mining was the the most deadly job in the country second only to or just in front of fishermen there were more fishermen or more miners killed than what fishermen were drowned but it became later more fishermen lost their lives than what miners did and it was not unsafe. Oh, it were. I mean, I got buried, but that's part and parcel of the job. They dug me out. <laughs> I'm still here. Going back to the water, do you have any anything to tell us about the way the water coming out of the mine, for example, when it was ochre or any other minerals coming out of that mine, how did the mine affect the villages that grew around those mines? The, the water coming out of the mines didn't affect the villagers. So, well, saying that, men were paid extra for working in water. You got one and fourpence a shift for working if water were on the floor, and three and eightpence a shift. This is old money, by the way, I can't relate it to modern money. Uh, three and eightpence a shift if the water was coming from the roof. Why, why the difference? Well, if you're only paddling in it, and if it, or if it's coming down, it's like raining on you. But did it also mean that it was more risky because the water could break them? Yeah. Now, some of the surface, what coming from the roof, some of it was very acidic water, and it used to burn you, or feel like it were burning you. A lot of salt in it and minerals in it, and it could give you dermatitis. And some of the miners did get dermatitis quite badly through it. Oh. And then they, they had to go off work. So what would happen to a miner that goes off work? Because of, say, dermatitis? Right. He'd be off work for maybe a month. When he's got clear of the dermatitis, he'd go back. Mm -hmm. Go back into the same job. And in no time, it'd recur. After two or three times of having time off, the personnel officer had more than likely tried to transfer him into where there was no water. A different seam or a different face to try and get him so that he'd work regularly. Would you say that working in a mine gave people who work together a different kind of sense of camaraderie than a lot of other jobs? Is it different in that way? The only other job you can put it in comparison to is to be in armed forces. When you're in armed forces, you form a brotherhood. When you were underground, you had that same brotherhood. You looked out for each other and everybody else, and it's the same with forces. And we are now going to go back up to Studio 3, where we have Max's song. Love is tough, love is 
Welcome back to ELFM, and now I'm going to read out a piece that I wrote about a light bulb in the mines. I can't remember much before I became a light bulb. Every day, it's the same old events. Lights on, watching mine after miner, working after hour. Lights out. It's not as empty in the mines as it seems. There are millions of little coals being tossed and thrown by the conveyor belt. New calls every day to see, new miners and faces. I've stayed the same place my entire life, seeing women, men, children, horses, donkeys, all hard at work in the coal mines, dynamite explosions and coal dust rushing past. The sound of wheels and shouts, angry bosses with their wooden sticks. I don't know my name, my previous life, what exists out there. No one knows I have a voice, except my siblings. We are made in the same factory. I'm content with this life, but I dream of what I could be if I were freed. I'm awaiting the day when I'm free from this curse, to experience a life outside my boundaries. Hi, I'm Hannah. I was a human until the collapse, and sadly, I've been reincarnated into a light bulb. Yes, a light bulb. I have always been worried that someone might pull the plug, pull the plug, and I have been stuck underground for a hundred years. I know, right? A hundred years. I've seen people, people, and more people. Nothing fun has ever happened. Hi, I am the Earth God, and I am willing to give you a second chance to be human again, if you answer my question. If we could not use coal, what would we do? 
If you do not solve this question in one hour, then I will trap you in the land of evil reincarnations. <laughs> we better get going. What could, what could power things other than coal? Hello, my name is Tahula. I'm a time traveler from the future and I'm here to help with your question. First, there is wind power. It uses the power of wind. Next, there is solar energy using the power of the sun. Last but definitely not least is hydropower. It uses the power of water. We now uh, have an answer to your question. We could use wind power, solar power or hydropower. Now, me and Nina get a second chance of being human and we live a normal life of being a human. The pits have closed and now, now we are starting to use wind and solar power. Now we have um, a story about a girl. I'm a girl, a girl who feels for everything, especially those railings that seem to be hurt so much. I feel so bad for them. I am 14 years old and I hate mining. I don't care if it gets us electricity. I haven't even got a taste for it. Coal is so annoying. Black over here, black over there. That's why I favor white out of all the colors. Bedfordshire Clanger again. Can I even get a different breakfast for once? Even my little sister is fed up with it and it used to be her favorite food. I'd love to go outside. Inside here, there's just more danger and things like that. And it's so boring. My friend, Anna, and I absolutely hate working inside. Outside would be lovely. I even dream of working outside every night. And sometimes I even wonder what it would be um, if I had a different life, a better one. Like seriously, a 15-year-old female miner's life is very, well, not interesting. I know I said I'm 14. Well, I am, but the truth is... People think I'm someone else. No one knows this, but I live to pretend to be I am. Um, I am someone else. I live not to be me, but to be a dead girl. I'm, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but I have no life, so I had to steal another. Another one that should have disappeared. But now I, I regret it. I hate this. I hate this life. I hate this job. But the other thing is, I love the people in it. I want another life. Another life, for once. What the hell? Why? Wait, what? Why can't I move? Help! Help! Oh my god! My gosh, I've turned into the railings. I'm the darn railings. I felt bad for these things, but I never knew I had to become them. Ow! Oi, watch where you're going, cart, I say. What do you mean? This is your job to stay still and be quiet, you loser. Bye-bye, the cat replies. I never thought carts were so mean. My head's broken and, oh gosh, these carts are never ending. What's the face? Ugh, I wish I were the call instead. For the forsaken sake of my sanity. This is us having an interesting chat with a former miner, Carl. Hopefully you enjoy. Tell us a bit about your background in mining. Like, what mines did you do? What mines did you work at and did you keep like the same job or did you have multiple jobs in the mine? Right, um, I left school when I was 15 year old, uh, Ollerton Bywater, and uh, I went straight to Ledstone Luck Pit. Do you know Ledstone Luck Pit? No, unfortunately not. It's just outside of Kippux, 
between Kippox and Micklefield, Kippox and Garforth. Um, and I worked there until it closed after the 84-85 uh, strike. I was, a, I was a, a, an underground electrician, a coal face electrician. Hi, Carl. Um, could you tell us about your experience of mining and what you were doing? Like, was there a particular smell when you were in the mines? Well, not so much a smell. Um, there was there was two extrem extremities of, of both uh, hot and cold, uh, wet and dry, dusty. Um, they were the main uh, the main conditions you had to uh, cope with. Mm. Right. Why choose mining? Like, were there other jobs in the area available at the time? Well, uh, quite quite literally, um, my uh, my dad died uh, in February nineteen sixty seven, and he was a prison officer, and we lived on an open prison camp, um, and when he died. Um, me, me mother was only 40 um, and she decided that we move back to uh, Castleford. Um, that's where she originated from to be with uh, to be with a family. So I was <laughs> I was actually training to be a school teacher uh, in my in my uh, previous school in Staffordshire um, but obviously when my dad died uh, everything changed our, our financial situation as a family changed and basically me and my sister had to find jobs uh, fairly quickly to work uh, to get uh, an income coming in so that's how I uh, so that's how I um, decided to be a uh, uh, a coal miner because there was loads and loads of job opportunities at that time. Do you mind like telling us why you were on strike for the miners? And um, for instance, what was it like at that time? Right, the uh, the 1984-85 strike came about solely due to pit closures. Um, uh, the government at the time were going to close 20 pits. Um, and basically we said, um, if you close any, any pit that's viable, that means where they had uh, uh, lots of uh, coal reserves, then we would take strike action. We, we in Yorkshire actually had a, a, an area ballot back in 1981, three years before uh, the Great Strike. Um, and we voted 90-odd percent to take strike action if any pit was threatened with closure. And in March 1984, Wood Colliery in South Yorkshire um, was threatened with closure. Um, so they, they they immediately took strike action, and we took strike action 
the following Monday, the rest of Yorkshire. That's basically how it started. Okay, I just have two more questions for you. Did you think the mine closings were a good thing? And if not, why? Oh no, the mine closures were not a good thing. I mean, uh, I mean, in 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 prior to the strike, there were 173 operational pits in uh, in the whole of the UK employing some uh, half a million, uh, quarter of a million miners. Um, now, in, in it, it took uh, it took Margaret Thatcher and the and the Tory government um, not many years to uh, to close all those within within and within thirty years um, uh, all the uh, deep mined pits were closed. The last one being um, Kellingly in two thousand and fifteen. All right, thank you. All right. Thank you for the You're welcome. <laughs> Thank um, you, Carl. I'd just like to just ask a couple of questions, if that's OK, Carl, offer that. One is just sort of going back to 84, 85. We're talking to these guys a lot about what being in a union men means and the idea of solidarity. I wonder if you could just tell us what that meant to, to go on a picket line, to support other collieries, to, to, fight, again, uh, to fight for jobs uh, in the Great Strike. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a, an overwhelming um, uh, feeling of solidarity, uh, especially throughout Yorkshire, because um, there were there, there were no uh, there were no working uh, miners um, in in Yorkshire when the uh, when the strikes started, but unfortunately, um, uh, a lot of pits in uh, in the Midlands uh, refused to come out. Uh, on strike, n n not not totally. Um, there was um, a small element of the workforce um, in, in in all pit, pits throughout the country um, that that struck uh, in 1984, and in some ways um, we we had it easier in Yorkshire because we were totally solid. You see. Um, Everyone was out, whereas the National Union of Mi Miners members in the Midlands and, say, say Nottinghamshire area, for example, um, they were in the minority, and that took uh, that took uh, real bravery uh, for for them for them lads to uh, to come out on strike when they it miners' wives uh, and daughters. Uh, they found a political voice during that strike. You know, they, they formed uh, women against pit closures and family support groups, and, and that was that was one uh, shining factor that uh, that came out of that uh, that year-long strike.
Hello, uh, I'm Flint. I've also written a poem. It's about a mine worker who is uh, part of a brass band. My name is John. I work in the mines for hours long. But when I get out of the mines, I play a song on my brass trombone. Although this provides only pleasure, I do it for my leisure. It helps with my relief when I am dealing with my grief. I lost my dear friend Nick whilst he was mining down in the pit. He had put a hole in the coal, then the water drowned them all. They put their names on a monument. Frederick, Colin, Frank, Sidney, Edward, Charles and Alan. To remember the disaster of 1973. In the music I play, I remember in every way my dear friend Nick and when he was mining with a pick. Now we have an interview with a fireman which was taken at the Coal Mining Museum. We were wondering what's your, if you have any stories or what's your experience with like a, this, this thing of brotherhood and everyone working together under the mine, but then when there was conflict, for example, when two people fall off or things like that. When they fall out. Yeah, when they fall out. Well, that wouldn't happen underground. It wouldn't? No. Okay. No. So it's, it's, art, it's a concept that's difficult to understand. But I can exp I explain it. I'm not a miner. I'm a retired firefighter. But it's the same thing in firefighting is that you work as a team underground. So same in the fire service. So to explain it, you would trust your life with somebody underground who you wouldn't have a drink with. It's just that in the video, there were mortal enemies and then one let go of the cart and then the other was literally squished. Or they could have died. It's been going back a long, long, long time. But certainly in, well, from the 1800s onward, miners worked underground at a as a team and relied on each other for their safety. So if somebody didn't do their job, then you might get an accident. So you relied on each other. And what would, have, what would happen to someone that doesn't do their job properly and then causes an accident to someone else? Wouldn't be going down the mine anymore. You'd need to have that teamwork to get you down the underground. If you're going down, like this mine here is 140 metres deep. It's not a very deep mine. The last mine to close in this country were a mine called Kellinley. It closed December the 19th, 2015. That were 800 metres deep, 2,400 feet. When the miners got to the pit bottom, in a cage, there'd be a three-tier cage, one, two, three, there'd be over 100 of them. They'd get on a train. The train, like the one out here, ran underground for five miles. When they got off the train, running at the side of them would be a conveyor belt. Between certain hours, that conveyor belt were classed as a man rider. It'd be running, not stopped. They would jump on it. Arms in, knees up to chest. If they didn't put their arms in, they wouldn't have any arms when they got to pit face, right? That ran for another mile. So the pit face was six miles from the pit bottom. You need to work in a team to get you down there. You certainly wouldn't go down with anybody who was going to cause a problem. They just wouldn't go down. Excuse me, do you know if the bakery is open? I've just moved here. Oh, I've lived here for years. I stay at home while my husband goes to work. Oh, well, what do you do in your pastime? Oh, I love to knit. I love knitting socks, but I also love knitting cardigans for my small daughter. Knitting is a fun hobby of mine. I enjoy it a lot. I'm passionate about knitting. It's an escape. Once I start, I can't stop. I'm the same when it comes to baking. I love baking treats for my family. I also enjoy spending time with my daughter, but she misses her dad when he goes down the pit. Your husband still goes down to the pits? Yeah, where's yours? Obviously he's out on the picket line, striking against pit closures. 
I'm all with closing dangerous pits, especially since there's been recent incidents, but striking is going out of line. I've got a family to feed. Well, we all have a family to feed, but you'll be sorry when you've got not got a job to be able to pay the bills. Oh, um, look, the bakery is opening. Got to go. Bye. Yeah, talk to you later. Scab. soundscape made by me Henry and me Callum and we are now going to go back up to Studio 3 with a protest song I'm buried underground I'll never be found I'm buried underground I'll never be found I'm going ill I can't pay my bill death is chasing me I'll never be free I am sick of being enslaved and nobody can be saved my birds are singing their deathly calls we escape when they fall buried on the ground i'll never be found buried on the ground i'll never be found i'm going ill i can't pay my bill 
recently I'll never be free I hold my breath and I hope for the best Working here is making me distressed I'm running out of air, I fall into despair I keep on running but my boss doesn't care Buried on the ground, I'll never be found Buried on the ground, I'll never be found I'm getting ill, I can't pay my bill Death is chasing me, I'll never be free I'm in debt with the man, they owe me my life You pay me with tokens, but they never mind Breaking the environment is too much to bear Our current conditions are not fair Buried underground, I'll never be found Buried underground, I'll never be found I'm getting ill, I can't pay my bill Death is chasing me, I'll never be free My name is Josh, and I am here with Johan. Hello. Jueria. Hello. And Stephen. Hello. And we are here today to discuss what is a fair transition. And to quickly give the defin de definition of transition, it's the process or a period of changing from one state or condition to another. Now, because we are running quite short on time, we're going to get right into talking about why, why we shouldn't transition, why it's okay to keep using coal. So... Coal was a main energy source throughout the Industrial Revolution, and 64% of total energy in the country was coal, which shows that coal is very dependent. Joaria, I'll go yeah. to you. What What is your opinion on this? Yeah, I don't. I also don't think we should um, really. I think we should probably transition because, like, like coal, coal is like it's a main energy source, but then it like produces. Uh, oh, what was it? It's CO2. CO2, which is not not great for us. Indeed, it isn't. But it is one of the reasons why we shouldn't transition. Okay, next point. It gives it gave the people in local villages jobs, which allows them to get money very easily and allows them to not have to move to a different city to actually get a job. 
So, Stephen, going to you. What's your opinion? Well, since we've relied on coal for centuries now, and we've only recently just changed, the people in the villages wouldn't know much outside coal mining, and it's sort of become cultural for them. So it would be very hard to get jobs outside the coal mining industry if we stopped mining coal. All right, all right. Now, yes, uh, Joaria. Also, yeah, it may give people jobs, but it is quite a dangerous job. I know it's not really that relevant, but it is quite a dangerous job, and it leads to people losing limbs and like other body parts. All right, and well, that does tie into what we're going to be talking about on why we should transition to more greener and safer energy sources. As we've said before, CO2 is released when coal is burnt. And, well, if you don't know what CO2 does, um, it causes heat to be trapped in the atmosphere, which causes a change in temperature for us. Which, if we didn't even have that, we would be a cold, cold planet. Freezing, I know. <laughs> but, what is your opinion on this, Johan? Um, I think uh, it's good to transition because ever since the Industrial Revolution, uh, the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere and the temperature has just been increasing. And if we don't, like at least attempt to slow that down or stop it, uh, we're just going to end up uh, causing a mass extinction. True indeed. And our final point before we get to our ending of this conversation, people in these local villages were forced into the mines with no choice. This would mean if like, you were in a local village you and mining was an option, that would be the only option you had. So, in my opinion, I, I, I generally don't think this is okay. Not only were they had forced to have no choice, the pay was actually really low. They had there were loads of deaths involving like disasters and stuff like that, and the conditions were just awful for the miners. And people who owned the mines majorly had most of the money, which wasn't really fair on the miners. Yes, Joaria. So like they're doing a job basically, which is causing so much pain physically and emotionally, and they're barely getting anything for it. Which it's partially another reason why we really should trans like transition to more greener and safer um but energy resources because it saves um losing people's lives. Yeah, indeed. Now to end this off, we have one question and one question only that I'll ask for an opinion on everybody. Do you think we have transitioned fairly yet? So we're in the year 2022. We've gone through the Industrial Revolution. We've gone through so much stuff. But do you think we've transitioned fairly yet? I'll start with the right side of the room, which is Johan. No, because uh, we seem to be still using a lot of fossil fuels and it's still uh, we're still producing a lot of carbon dioxide. And even though people might say recycle, uh, that's not really doing much for the environment. And we just need the government to maybe... Uh, help and fund all right uh joaria um so we have a little bit but i think we still have a really really long way to go because like johan just said like some people in the community are playing their part but there's people that aren't and it's more the government that we need to kind of just get involved i mean we have like different like parties like trying to come together but it's the government more that we need uh-huh. And Stephen, finally. Well, transitions like this do take a long time to happen and we need collective action. So people are doing 
things to become more aware about this transition, but I don't think governments are doing much, and there are still people who don't believe in it. Indeed, and to end it off here, in my opinion, we need to come together as collectively as a world, not just local, not just national. We need to come together lo- uh, as a world and fight back against this devastating challenge. But we are now going to go back up to Studio 3, where the band is going to do their environmental song. Before we do this song, I just want to shout out the musicians that have been. So we've got Henry doing a fabulous jo- job on the drums. Clap, clap, clap. Yeah. We've got Flynn doing a fabulous job on the bass. Clap, clap, clap. We've got Lydia, who's been doing some of the piano. Clap, clap, clap. Um, Henry, not Henry, <laughs> Martin, who's come in for some of the piano. Clap, clap, clap. And finally, me, Abriel, who's been doing vocals and piano. So it's like three people on piano. Um, and now this is the environmental song. Open to multiple plans. All the birds wanna sing and dance. Life is open to multiple plans. Nature's beauty is to enhance. Extracting resources only help the rich. Terrorizing the environment. Call emissions should be. Multiple plans. All the birds wanna sing and dance. Life is open to multiple plans. Nature's beauty is to enhance. Solo wind and tidal are all very vital. Keep the carbon in the ground. A sustainable life keeps a healthy world all together for the environment life is open to multiple plans all the birds wanna sing and dance life is open to multiple plans nature's beauty is to enhance I'm going to interview a piece of coal. Welcome to the show. Firstly, how old are you? I'm 400 million years old. Oh my god, how did people start to know about you? Well, I first discovered when people were digging to find something to help them in their lives. They found us, then found it's a way to use us. How did you feel when people discovered different forms of energy? I think over the year, coal is used as uh, less and less, and I think humans need to save coal because something may happen and they will have to rape it on the coal again. How much of you is in the world? I and other coal reserves will work at least uh, 270, yes. How much do people use you in the day? 
This isn't a great, but about uh, 1,040,000 kilowatt hours. Whoa. Were you bad for minus breathing? I think yes, because they inhale the dirt like a gas. Oh, thank you so much, Cole. Do you have any last words to say? I think what would be so much better if people will clean electricity because it's a risk a night when we live in a safe place in a developed modern world. Thank you for the interview. Next, we have a soundscape by Alex. I hope you all enjoyed it. And Frankie, what did you think of the show? I thought of the show, um, of the light bulb with Hannah. Yeah. And Hanin, what did you think of the show? Um, I really enjoyed this journey we've had with mining. And I've really enjoyed um, looking into it and researching about it. But what mm. I've enjoyed the most is probably going to the um, coal museum and looking into yeah. a real mine. Yeah. And I thought, I thought of the show that it was amazing, and I especially liked, like the coal museum, and um, how it went on the train, and stuff. I enjoyed that, and I thought we all had fun. Thank you for, thank you all for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye. We will now finish with a closing song. Fifteen years old, leaving school, putting all I can to help us survive. Sacrifice yourself, don't care what anyone thought. Give all you have to do to help us survive. I know it's hard, the world is falling apart. Feeling like you're on your own. Try to remember that you're not alone. You will survive. There's no place to be But it's hard, the world is falling